today. The title for my talk is The Ant and the Sluggard. Anyone going to guess where I'm going to here? Proverbs, well done, Proverbs chapter 6 we're going to open up to. We'll just start reading through this um, and then we'll sort of go into a few things. But um, I guess the... Yeah, the, script, the scriptures that we're looking today can can be applied to our our walk in the Lord, as well as um, our involvement in the church, um, and really as well as our life in general. Um, but let's pick this up in in Proverbs six and verse six. It says, "Go to the ant, thou sluggard; consider her ways and be wise." Quite a quite an incredible little word that one, sluggard, um, which means if you look into it, also means slothful, and I find it interesting that, as we read it, sluggard or slothful, they're both these creatures that we know of as being incredibly slow. Slugs and sloths—they're not particularly known for speed or anything like that. Um, and so it's interesting as we we read in the English language these these you get these images painted in our mind. And of course, it talks about here though: go to the ant. Our sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So talking about the ant, it says, which, get, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travelleth and your want as an armed man. Um, I'll just read... That verse uh, from the Amplified, verse 11, says, So your poverty will come like an approaching prowler who walks slowly but surely and your need will come like an armed man making you helpless. So you, again, create a bit of a visual image of, of being, um, having maybe someone attack you or something like that and come at you with, with a knife and you're at a point where you're fairly defense, defenseless and you have to give over those things that are valuable to you. And it's saying that through a little sleep, a little slumber, a little lack of attention, um, poverty, our poverty can come upon us quite suddenly and perhaps be something that's out of, out of our control. Now, we're particularly talking, of course, about a spiritual poverty here, aren't we? We're talking about spiritual riches. Um, that is, of course, our, our focus. And we're encouraged through the scriptures that there's this natural example that's been given to us of the ant. Now, ants are quite incredible creatures. You know, they are, they're, you know, scientists are still learning from ants as far as how their communities work, how they how, how these individual ants can collectively work together as a team and build incredibly complex structures underground, um, coordinate themselves to go and find food, move to different places. Um, I saw, I was watching a video earlier today of these ants kind of creating a bridge with themselves, like there's ants on a leaf and there were ants on a windowsill, and they're all piling on top of each other to join together to create a path that they could move across. And you think, like, there's quite an intelligence that goes along with that from these tiny little, tiny little creatures with such a minuscule little brain when you compare them to us. And yet they do things that make us, we're dumbfounded by. But here it talks about their 
preparation, their hard work and their preparation, the fact that they, as it says in verse 8, provide her meat or their food in the summer, gather her food in the harvest. They are prepared to put in the work for a rainy day, so to speak. And you'll quite often know that you can recognise ants and their activity based on the weather. And you notice at certain times it's like they're getting prepared for rains that are going to be coming or something like that. So you can see this intelligence uh, with these creatures. Um, let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. There's quite some, some very similar scriptures actually that are brought out here. But I just wanted to bring out as we're going to these, um, I guess our society is changing and there's, there's been a, a really fundamental change that uh, we here have observed in our lifetimes. You know, some of the maybe older, older ones have seen a, a bigger change than others. But when it comes to things like diligence, hard work, putting in effort, I think we all know that that's, those sort of things are actually becoming harder and harder to find, particularly in, in the younger generation. Me being a, in the younger generation, I can speak from my, from my peers and even the fact that, uh, say, in our work, for example, um, I work for a plumber, I'm not a plumber, but I work for a plumbing business, and getting apprentices that are hard-working, that are going to turn up every day, that are going to be reliable, all those sorts of things, it's, it's actually tricky. It's actually find a, hard to find uh, young people that have that desire, they have a desire to, uh, to get the money, but do they have the desire to do the work in order to get that money, to earn that money? And, and that's really the question. And of course, there's a lot of things that are, play, that are playing into this change in just the state of society. We know technology, of course, plays a big part. Um, just on where people's focus is, we know that we're in, you know, they talk about the younger generation being the me generation, where it's focused on me, 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 what can I get? rather than perhaps historically there might have been more of an attitude of what can I give. Let's read this one, Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful, same word, sluggard, slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep. This is familiar words, isn't it? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Almost word for word what we had just read from Proverbs 6. Talks about him there, observing the field or the vineyard of the slothful or the man void of understanding and it being all grown over with thorns and nettles. And this is really the end result. Now again, there's practical application in this that you can apply in life, but of course we're talking particularly spiritually speaking. Let's maybe, if you've got a marker, keep it in Proverbs. We're doing a little bit of backwards and forwards here. We're going to skip into the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 6. We've just read about that field of the slothful being uh, overgrown with thorns and nettles, the stone wall being broken down. Hebrews chapter 6. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of more of this to kind of put it all into context. We'll read from verse uh, 4. 
Hebrews 6 verse 4. For it's impossible for those that were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, the Holy Spirit, and were partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receive blessing from God. So that's kind of one group of people that are being uh, spoken about, really those sitting in chairs here today. Um, but then it says in verse 8, and, and, and when I read uh, from Proverbs 24, this scripture jumped straight into my mind. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. How far do we want to go here? We'll read verse 10 as well. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, a couple of things to bring out here. We know that, of course, being in the Lord is a blessing, has it has full of blessings, but there is also a labour that goes with it, both in the sense of the church and the contribution we make, as well as in the sense of our own walk in the Lord. We know that the, the um, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, as Jesus said, but there is, an, there is an effort that goes along with walking in the Lord. And we know that many people are not prepared to make that effort or to make that commitment. And you know, how often do you talk to people about the things of the Lord and that commitment aspect of it is the barrier? Maybe it's the time, maybe it's, they just can't contemplate setting aside a couple of times a week to, to come along to meetings and to learn about the ways of the Lord they're not prepared, there's too much else going in life, on in life, for them to say, yes, I'm going to get, I'm going to get involved in this, I'm going to be a part of the, uh, the things of the Lord. So there is labour and there is work of love that's spoken about. When it says in verse 8, but that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. And remember as we read about in Proverbs 24 about um, the field of the slothful being overgrown with uh, wheat, bri- how do the word it? thorns and briars, I think it said. And I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, but this word uh, briars here in the New Testament is tribolos, um, which is a word I'm actually fairly familiar with because uh, it actually means caltrop, which is a, a weed that I've had more time involved with than I would like to say. Um, the property we had in, in over in Adelaide had a big problem with this this weed called caltrop. Um, tribulos, as we read in the Greek here, the scientific name for caltrop is tribulus terrestris, so it uses that exact same word. And the word actually comes from uh, well, a caltrop. A caltrop originally is a weapon of war, sort of a, a, a four pronged thing that you would throw on the ground, and any time you Wherever you throw it, it would always have one prong sticking up in the air. So, of course, soldiers or horses or something like that coming into a battle would then step on the caltrop, be injured and, and of course, not be able to be involved in the battle. Um, and with the nature of these little uh, these little weeds, they do a very similar thing. Those the seeds, you basically throw them on the ground and whichever way you throw them, they've got these spikes sticking up in the air. 
cyclists would call them puncture vine. I think they're known as, as bindi in different places. But just to read a, a, a couple of things I came across. Um, so the fruit of Caltrop is a woody burr with sharp, rigid spines about six mil, millimetres long and the burr about one centimetre in diameter. The burrs split into five wedge-shaped segments when ripe with each segment containing two unequal pairs of spines. Each fruit segment can, may contain up to four seeds. Fruits from the caltrop are, con, are formed continually throughout summer and autumn, and up to 1,000 fruit can be produced on each plant. So that's the fruit, but then it splits. So then it says caltrop can produce upward of 20,000 seeds per plant. So you picture that. One plant, which grows quite quickly can drop up to 20,000 seeds. So you can imagine how this stuff spreads. Now, the link I want to bring back to our spiritual life is the attention that we need to give to, spiritually speaking, these thorns and briars, these things that can have an effect and when left unattended can spread and become a bigger problem in our life. When you have a... Like we, as Pastor Steve mentioned Wednesday, we've just bought a, a block of land here in Bendigo. And with my experience with Caltrop, if I ever saw it on our new block, I would be straight onto it, you know, and dealing with it straight away because I know how quickly it become can become a bigger problem. We need to have the same attitude with our spiritual life that we don't let these thorns and briars become a, a big deal. You know, when something sprouts up in our life that is a problem, we recognise it, we deal with it, and then we move on. Because if we don't deal with these things and we try and move on in our walk in the Lord, they can actually spread and grow and become a much bigger problem. Um, I just wanted to point out too that... Uh, I'm using this example, you know, this Caltrop is, when I start talking about it, I tend to keep talking about it, but um, one of the key reasons it, it, it's a problem in many areas, including Bendigo, um, is people's ignorance, that they don't, it's just, they look at it on the ground, it's just a weed like any other weed, but for someone like me who has had experience with it, as soon as I see the shape of that plant or the flowers on it, I know exactly what it is, and as I said, if it was in a friend's place or anything, I'd let them know, hey, you really need to deal with that. But most people, if they're ignorant of what Caltrop is and how it can affect, how, how, how much of a problem it is, they'd probably just let it go. So again, we don't want to allow an ignorance of spiritual matters, allow these things to grow in, our, any problems to grow in our life. You know, how many times through the scriptures, particularly Paul, when he's writing, says things like, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I want you to understand this aspect that I'm about to bring out in the scripture, in my letter. Okay? We've, we've been called to have an understanding of God's word and apply it in our life so that when anything tries to creep in our life, in, into our life that is a thorn or that is a briar, we, we recognize it, we're not ignorant of it, and we give it the appropriate attention that it deserves and we deal with it scripturally. A couple of other scriptures. I'll quote Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 18 says, By much slothfulness the building decays, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through, or in other words, the roof leaks. Um, 
when I was in my time in Thailand, something that really stood out to me over in Thailand is in Thailand they really love new things. They, you know, flashy new buildings, all that sort of stuff. There's some quite impressive things that are built quite quickly actually. But one thing that stood out to me is they're not so good at maintenance. Like you see these buildings that were clearly built maybe 20, 30 years ago and yet they don't seem to put the as much effort into the maintenance and the ongoing care and looking after the building that you would maybe see in a country like Australia. It was just something that stood out to me. And again, this in this scripture it talks about through, uh, by much slothfulness the building decays and through idleness of the hands the house drops through or the roof leaks. Again, something that we can apply in different aspects of our walk in the Lord and in the church and, of course, life in general. Um, but these things need attention and they need maintenance. Our walk in the Lord needs continual attention and maintenance. It's not something that we want to be that, you know, that big flashy experience as we came to the Lord and, and that was wonderful and it's a great story to tell. But since then we've just kind of let it go and we've just plotted on and, and, and that decay is kind of starting to happen. We really want to, uh, th- again, through you know, the time spent with the saints, through the fellowship that we have, through reading the Word of God, through prayer, provide that constant maintenance to our relationship that we have with God. Proverbs 21. Moving on now to talking about um, the concept of giving versus taking. Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labour. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spare not. So um, here in verse 26, we're, we're, we've seen that we're seeing this contrast between the slothful uh, coveteth or um, desiring, wanting, taking. Um, all the day long, taking greedily, but in contrast to that, the righteous giveth and spareth not. Now, again, when at the start of this talk, I was talking about our society, and we know that this is something we can recognise again in society, where there's this tendency to focus on me and what I can get out of a situation, out of a relationship, whatever it is, what I can take. Whereas throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged to be givers, to have a desire to look at the ways that we can contribute to something. Um, let's let's go to Acts chapter twenty. We'll see this brought out in the first in in, in the New Testament. Pastor Steve was in Africa. He was talking about a situation they had with a, a leader that had gone astray, and he talked about him doing an Acts twenty. And I admit I had to look that up. Okay, what's an Acts twenty? We're going to read that. A leader that had gone off on the wrong, down the wrong path with his um, control with the church. And it says in verse so Acts 20, verse uh, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. We know that's something that's 
happens from time to time and, and as I said, quite relevant um, in Pastor Steve's trips to Africa. Of course, the oversight have such um, an influence on the church and sometimes they, they go down the wrong path and that needs to be recognised, that needs to be dealt with, which is what this scripture is talking about. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to walk not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So he was, uh, I should mention that this is um, Paul uh, speaking at Ephesus, um, at the church at, church at Ephesus. Therefore, watch, uh, sorry, what did I get to? Verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that which are sanctified. sanctified. Now, this is Paul talking about how he dealt with the church. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so labouring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So again, it's picked up in, in, in the Proverbs about this contrast between, it mentioned the slothful being basically takers and, uh, I think it said the righteous being givers. And we, of course, have been called into righteousness and want to have this desire to give in all aspects of our life. Um, when we come to the meetings, um, not to just have an attitude of what can I get out of the meeting, but having an attitude of what can I contribute to my brothers and sisters by, by you know, by being here. I mean, being here is a contribution, of course, but, you know, just having that, um, our eyes open to the needs of our brothers and sisters around us and, uh, and looking, how can I fulfill those needs? How can I be of benefit to my brothers and sisters? Because you can, you know that as, as we all work together, and I think we very much do in this assembly here in Bendigo, praise the Lord, we just see the word of God moving forward strongly. Because that's that's what we've been called to do here. And interesting, it mentions here, again in verse 35, how that so labouring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. As I said, it is there is work to be done. There is effort to be put in when it comes to the things of the Lord. We can't just um, click our fingers and everything happens automatically. All aspects of, of a church operating, all aspects of our walk in the Lord require uh, an effort to be put in and we want to have that desire to contribute to that to that effort. And we want to recognise that there is blessing in giving, there is blessing in doing, there is blessing in contributing um, to the work of the Lord. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians 3 verse 23. Oh, actually, we'll read from verse 22. Verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I think this is a real, as we apply this in our life, it's a real testimony in, for example, our workplace, whereas if we have a, de- a desire that whatever our, you know, we're, many of us, we, we end up in, we have jobs and 
with those jobs, with those careers that we have, if we have this attitude of not only serving our boss or our company, but having an attitude of, hang on, I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost, and if we have that attitude of serving the Lord, well then, being a good worker just sort of comes naturally, doesn't it? Because we're going to be in a position where we're going to want to be honest, we're going to want to be hard-working, we're going to want to be diligent, um, we're not going to want to sort of shortchange the boss or the company in any way. And so that builds, that grows our testimony within our workplace. And again, we can apply that in all different aspects of our life. Our family, for example, having um, a desire of being a giver within our family, having a desire to be a testimony in our family. And all these sorts of things are recognised because we look to serve the Lord first and foremost. It really is understanding the bigger picture. And we've got to ask the question, what is the bigger picture in our life? And it should be Jesus Christ. When I was talking about society, what's the bigger picture in many people's lives? It's a self-portrait. It's it's me. It's it's looking at me. What? Okay, I've got this job. What can I get out of this job? Um, whereas really we want our bigger picture, of course, to be Jesus Christ, not about ourselves, not about what we can gain. And through having that attitude, we see the blessing of the Lord more and more in our life. Right, let's finish up. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. I will quote one though, just going back to that concept of the ant. Um, ants are well known for their strength. I was reading again this morning about some particular ants that can lift 50 times their own body weight, which is a phenomenal concept. Um, and yet, we're quite similar in a way. Not in natural strength, certainly not me. Um, but as uh, Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Our strength is not within ourselves, it's within Jesus Christ. Ants can lift 50 times their body weight, but we can do the impossible. You know, We can do all things through Christ that he gives us the strength. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to finish here in starting in verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one, there's a lot to go into, but I'm not going to go into it for time. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. It's, of course, as we read through this, we are reminded of our salvation, aren't we? We're reminded of our calling to the Lord. We're reminded of um, the Holy Spirit having our lips touched, so to speak, being given in a new language that we speak in. Um, and in verse 8, uh, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Now, look at the contrast between verse 5 and verse 8. Going from that attitude of, woe is me, I'm I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, I dwell among people of unclean lips. And that's, that's our life in the world, isn't it? That's what we were. We were people of, people not in a state of righteousness with the Lord. 
and yet we've had this incredible transformation come into our life. And now we are those that should have this response. When when the question is asked, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Who is going to be a labourer for Jesus Christ? Who is going to be a one to step forward and, you know, you know, like the scriptures talk about, making our life a living sacrifice as we read about in, in Romans. Here am I, send me. Let's make that our desire. When that question is asked, who are we going to send? Who's going to get involved? Who's going to be a doer and not just a hearer? Let's have, let's pray that this is our answer. Here am I, send me.